This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Have you decided whether you are going to run for re-election in 2024? You haven't set up a re-election campaign yet, as your predecessor had by this time. <laughs> My predecessor need to, needed to. <laughs> My predecessor. Oh, God, I miss it. Um, no, the answer is yes. My plan is to run for re-election. That's my expectation. Do you believe you'll be running against former President Trump? Oh, come on. I don't even think about it. I don't have, I have no idea. I have no idea whether it'll be a Republican Party. Uh, those are dumb questions, in my opinion, and it's a dumb conversation of all the things we need to talk about. But anyway, um, uh, we're happy every Friday when we get to talk to Lon He Chen. He's the David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution and the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. And he's a regular contributor at CNN Opinion. And Lon He, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. How are you doing? Always great to be with you. Thanks. Um, this is what I'm going to ask today. We never, we've, I don't think we've ever approached it this way. As a smart guy who follows all kinds of different stuff, what is the most interesting thing to you right now? Not what, you know, I know lots of people have you on as guests and they want to talk about the news of the day, and that's not always the most interesting or important thing going on. Uh, what, what's, like, what's actually on your mind, like things you're going to be reading up on today? Uh, boy, I mean, there's a lot of things. I, I, I'm always, I always come back to this issue of how polarized we are as a society, you know, and how, how many, uh, and, and really kind of intractable differences there seem to be between people based on, on kind of how they see politics. And I, I've been thinking a lot recently about how it is that there are institutions and the ways that we do things that actually make it worse. Um, you know, one of the things I'll, I'll just mention this, this, this might be a little nerdy, but the, the thing is every 10 years, you know, we take a census and then we actually draw new, uh, lines for congressional and state legislative districts, right? Mm -hmm. we, we sort of create these new districts and that's a really contentious process politically. I don't, I don't know if people realize it, but there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. But one of the things that we've done. And the done, states do that? Uh, yeah, it's done state by state. 
And one of the things, and different states do it differently, by the way. Some states have a commission, independent, so-called independent commission of people that, that come out and, and propose lines. Some have experts draw the lines, whatever. But one of the things that struck me is how when we draw these lines and we put these districts together, we oftentimes pack pack in people who think in a very similar way. We don't put people next to each other who have very different ways of thinking. And so as a result, people say, well, why are we much more polarized now? And I say one of the reasons is because we elect people to Congress or we elect people to state legislatures who are increasingly polarizing because that's also kind of what's what's happening to us. We're living next to people mm-hmm. by and large who we you know may, may think in a very similar way to who may look like us. And that's much more common now than it was, let's say, a couple decades ago. And I think that's actually made the polarization worse. Yeah, I've, I've seen some of those stats on the number of counties that are, um, you know, way more of one than the other and how much more that is than it used to be. Uh, it's uh, culturally, it's interesting. So, you know, getting to the press conference, which is the news of the day. And when he was talking about the filibuster and that sort of thing, well, I've seen a lot of cable news articles and or, uh, discussions and read a lot of articles about the filibuster and each side chooses their own point going yeah. back as to who's to blame you know to who started this whole thing uh well uh mitch mcconnell did do away with the filibuster for supreme court justices but harry reed did it away with it for lower court judges and then before that you had uh you know stonewalling on this these uh nominees and so it just keeps getting further and further down the track of uh, of of tit for tat and getting further apart is it? Well, like you said, you've been thinking about this, trying to figure out how to fix it, but it doesn't seem like we're going the right direction currently. We're not. I mean, this debate over the filibuster is a great example of that. I mean, you can very easily, if you if you go on the Google machine, you can very easily look up and find clips of Joe Biden and Barack Obama and prominent Democrats talking about how important the filibuster is when they were in a position to use the filibuster to stop, let's say, either nominations or legislative action. And, you know, now the roles are reversed and you've got the same Democrats saying, well, you got to get rid of the filibuster. And by the way, you know, Republicans aren't aren't necessarily immune from that hypocrisy as well when it comes to these kinds of issues. So it, it, it really is that kind of political convenience that I think gets people worked up. I mean, at a at a very basic level, you would hope that there can be some consistency in politics, but we, we just don't see that as much anymore. And I think that also contributes to, you know, we were talking about this polarization thing, when you feel like you have to always take the positions that your side is taking. Otherwise, you're some kind of traitor or you're somehow less than. Uh, in, in the Republican Party, we have this term rhino that's been thrown around. You know, you're a rhino if you don't support everything the Republicans do. And, and you know, I think that's really too bad because, there are a lot of things if you just took a good hard look at it and said, look, you know, is this something that that is conservative? Is this something that's progressive? And if it's so, then I'm going to support or oppose it. Then, you know, it's understandable. But when it comes down to just this kind of shirts and skins partisanship, uh, that to me is probably not not great for America in the long run. We're talking with Lon Hee Chen. You probably see him on various uh, big time shows, hear him on various big shows, readers, articles, that sort of stuff. Um, one interesting thing we've been discussing is apparently, according to reporting, Joe Biden met with some historians the other day and said, you know, how big should I go? Am I going too big? And now they, they all, because he invited in super liberal progressive historians, um, they all said, no, 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 go big, go as big. Now's your time. And so we think he's working on trying to be a transformational people talk about him a hundred years from now, like FDR sort of president. 
And, you know, if he takes some hits right now uh, politically for doing away with the filibuster, that won't matter if people are still talking about the major, the, 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 the important changes he made to America, you know, uh, a century from now. Do you, do you think that's where we're headed? Yeah, I mean, I think that is part of the goal of, uh, of, of many who support him and perhaps uh, Biden himself. I mean, just look at it for context. We've passed $2 trillion in uh, fiscal stimulus spending or, or fiscal relief, whatever you want to call it. It's $2 trillion of spending. And we, and we did so in sort of a record amount of time without a whole lot of reflection, in my view. And now they're talking about doing $4 trillion in additional spending later this year on, you know, I mean, some of it is surely stuff that we need. We need better roads and bridges and airports, and no one's arguing with that. But the notion that we would do it and, you know, just kind of say and wave our hands at it and say, well, it's just another couple trillion dollars, that amount of expansion and spending and expansion in the role of government will will truly be unprecedented. And I think if Biden manages to be successful, even if it's just with that $2 trillion, pack, $2 trillion package he did, and another several trillion dollars of spending going forward, that will cement his place in history in some ways as being the most progressive president that we've that we've ever seen. Yeah. And I and I think it's remarkable because a, a lot of people I think who voted for him and supported him said, okay, look, here's someone who's going to be relatively moderate and reasonable and going to come in and try to heal the divisions. And you know, I just say, let's look at where we are and let's look at what what's actually happened. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. I've done a lot of reading about LBJ and uh, all those Carroll books, and, you know, he was the guy in the Senate that stopped any civil rights legislation from ever even getting a sniff in a committee for years and years and years. And then when he becomes president, you know, he turns on a dime and, and takes it the other direction. So you, you never know what you're going to get with the president. It's it's really interesting. And and that was a good thing, obviously, but um, uh, I guess you don't know what's in somebody's true heart until they they get the power to do things. Do you have any idea how many push-ups you can do in a row right now? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a good question. So we're, we're I, could, just... I could lie. We're... I could lie and say a hundred, uh, but well, that to, wouldn't be true. Be I mean, impressive. I think. I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I I think fifty. I think my son can do more than I can actually because he's you know he's and, and he's ten. So that just tells you what kind of well, shape you, I'm in. That's funny, because my oldest is 11. And uh, the other day we ran, and he's just about faster than me now. I have to run full speed to barely beat him now in a sprint. Um, yeah, yeah. There are points when you realize your own physical limitations. <laughs> and I, I will I will say that that is, that is, a, that is a part of the, of the age curve I am starting to find myself on now. It's interesting, because every day I get slower, and every day he gets faster. So at some point, those lines are going to cross, like supply and demand. The reason I ask is we had this health thing. Um, your chance of heart disease goes down two-thirds if you can do 11 push-ups as opposed to 10 in a row. And I wow. did, and I cranked out 11, so I'm feeling good about my heart health. So just wanted to, you know. That's, my, a, great, that's a great stat. Yeah, it I, is. I didn't, I didn't know that. I, I learned something today. Yeah, that's, that's handy. Um, one more political question before we let you go. Um, uh, watching the press conference, did, I, what do you think the performance was like overall? Were you bothered by a guy who used to chair the Foreign Relations Committee and was on Meet the Press every Sunday and could talk about any place in the world and name the leaders and had all those facts and figures at the, you know, at the tip of his tongue? That's the way he was, young Joe Biden, now having to read cue cards for his own foreign policy? Yeah, I mean, he, he's clearly lost several steps since he uh, you know played those roles. You know, I mean, look, I think 
to me at least, that's not what I focus on. I don't. I'm not bothered by whether he's reading or not. What I am bothered by is the actual policy. Okay. What, what I'm more bothered by is what they're actually doing, rather than what he's talking about or how he's talking about it. I mean, Joe Biden's never going to win on style points. So you know, whatever you give him that, and I, I understand people, you know, take issue with the fact that he can't even talk about it without the cue cards, and and that's fine if they want to. My my bigger issue is. You know, do we really think four trillion dollars in additional spending makes sense? Do we really think that, uh, you know, a, a foreign policy like the one that we've got now, you know, makes sense? I think those are the kinds of questions we should be asking and not, you know, did he read off a cue card or not? I mean, that that's kind of where I would spend my time and, and energy. So does he do like two press conferences a year, all with just a handful of reporters on his side that he knows what they're going to ask? Is that the way he's going to do it? Well, the, the more to me, at least. The more shocking thing was not his performance, but the reporter's performance. Yeah. The fact that you've got so many reporters who are unwilling to ask tough questions. It's their job to ask tough questions. They asked a lot of tough questions of Donald Trump when he was president. That's what the, that's what the media is supposed to do. Now, when it comes to Joe Biden, they, you know, they say things like, well, you know, you have an image as an honorable and decent man. And, you know, you know it, it's almost like Uncle Joe's story time instead of <laughs> holding a president accountable. And and you need to hold presidents accountable. I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat. The job of the media, if they're doing it well, is to hold people in power accountable. And you look at what's happening in Washington. By the way, you look at what's happening in, in state capitals like Sacramento. That's why there's all this people, all these people worked up about Gavin Newsom. No one asks the hard questions anymore. And and that's when you get essentially politicians who decide they can do whatever they want. Cuomo is another one. Well, part of it got away with with murder. Well, part of it, especially now, is you'll get lit up by your own side on your Twitter feed if you if you come at it. There was an there was a column in the Washington Post saying, "Hey, media, go easy on Uncle Joe. Remember, he's on our side, not Trump. You know that sort of thing." It's yeah. I don't think no, people I mean, want to take no the bullets R- from their own side. No, yeah, there's no our side or their side when it comes to the, there shouldn't be when it comes to the media. Unfortunately, we know that in, in too many cases there is. And, and it shouldn't be that way. Well, I took a lot of your time today. I appreciate you doing it. I expect you to tweet out later how many push-ups you did in a row, and I'll be uh, following your Twitter feed. That's, I'll, be, uh... I'll, be, I'll be ashamed that you're not <laughs> going to see that number. But, uh, but, but all, all the best for, for good hard health. Uh, I think yeah. that's a great wish for everybody. You bet. Thank you very much. Lon He Chen, uh, regular contributor on CNN Opinion, uh, David and Diane Steffi Fellow in public policy at Hoover, and an uh, all-around smart guy. And I like it whenever. If I see he's on Face the Nation or something like that, I know it's going to be a good episode. Armstrong and Getty. Are you on the hunt for a new home this spring, but don't know where to start? Fisher Homes is your solution. Your new home should reflect you from the front door to the kitchen and even your outdoor space. Start your journey by selecting your ideal home site, like in a cul-de-sac or that's tree-lined, and then choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans. Bring it all together at our Lifestyle Design Center. Let Fisher Homes be your new home solution this spring and start making memories at fisherhomes.com. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. 
Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.